I love a good podcast, as you know, and I'm always happy to share resources for parents who are looking for creative, smart content that both entertains and offers enrichment for curious kids everywhere. So I'm happy to let you know about this awesome new show from the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild, The Adventurous World of Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series explores themes that kids like ours love, like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and more. And episodes transport kids into iconic periods in history like Pythagoras's Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England. So cool. New episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a perfect length for those car rides, for meal times, for break times, and bedtimes. What I love about this show is that it's kind of like listening to a book on tape. The story is captivating and includes lots of problems listeners can try to solve. The voice actors are fantastic, and the math concepts are seamlessly weaved into the narrative. It's exactly the kind of show Ash would have loved a few years ago, especially during our homeschool years, because finding that perfect blend of entertaining and educating, it isn't always easy. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Whenever your child is moving through something that other people's children don't seem to be moving through, it feels like you're failing, like somehow, even though you look at your child and you're like, no, 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 this child isn't doing anything wrong. There are so many systems. There must be a school. There must be a way. There must be a place. Well, the reality is, is that institutional learning is just not always the right fit. And what we're learning more and more and more is that institutional learning is really not the right fit for quite a lot of people. Welcome to Tilled Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today's episode features a conversation with educator, curriculum consultant, and parent coach, Allison Bauer. Allison is a dear friend of mine and also without doubt the person I've relied on the most over the years for her thoughtful insights and perspectives on the trickier aspects of raising my child. In today's episode, Allison and I talk about school fit. As many of us raising differently wired kids at some point along the way go through a time when our child's school experience can get, shall we say, a little bumpy. And because Allison has been on both sides of this equation, as an educator and school administrator, and also as a parent, she brings a unique perspective to this issue. In our conversation, Allison shares some super useful insights on what problems with school fit look like from a school's perspective, as well as how parents can navigate figuring out how to support their child in that situation. Oh, I just also have to say the setting on my microphone got switched to one that picks up room ambience for this interview. I'm not naming any names on who might have turned the knob. I'm just saying. So if you notice a difference in the tone of my mic today, that's why. All right, so here is my conversation on School Fit with Allison Bauer. Hi, Allison. Hi. Thank you so much for being one of the first guests for the Tilt podcast. Oh, you're welcome. I'm super honored. I'm so excited that you're you're a part of this. And as I probably remind you 
most every time that we talk. You've just been a huge part of my personal parenting support team. So I'm just really excited to share you with listeners and you and your brilliance. Oh, well, goodness. <laughs> you know, I was going to gush a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do that, but I didn't know exactly what you were going to say. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. So before we dive in, I want to let listeners know a little bit more about you. You're an educator. You're a parent coach based in Seattle. You have yeah. more than 16 years experience in teaching, administration, curricular planning, management, and professional development for early childhood, elementary, and middle schools. You have taught parenting classes or presented at companies like Starbucks HQ and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as well as many public and private schools. And you have a new responsibility as the communications manager at the EdTech nonprofit Learn. You've also got three amazing boys, um, and you are a step parent. And I know being a step parent, a step mom, is part of how you identify and yep. being a, in a blended family. And I also know that I'm scratching the surface on what you do. So this is <laughs> just you in a nutshell. But um, we were talking be- talking before we started recording about your coaching practice has evolved, and maybe before we start the conversation, tell us specifically how you're working with people right now. Yeah, sure. So basically what I've noticed over time in my coaching practice is that there is a specific, you know, niche for parent coaching, working specifically with families who are looking for solutions and guidance around specifically what I use is mostly positive discipline in relationship to their families and their children and how they want to be mindfully raising their, their children and creating relationships. But what I started to notice was, especially being here in Seattle, we're such a fast-growing city, and there were so many people moving in from out of town who felt that they really didn't have the supports they needed to learn about what would be a best fit for their family in terms of all kinds of things, but specifically around practitioners, uh, so like doctors, therapists, occupational therapists, um, what neighborhood they might want to live in that might be best suited for their family, if they like to be in nature, if they'd like to be more urban, and then the schools, um, public or private, and the kinds of options that they might have related to those. And then specifically, if those schools have practitioners and programs that would be supportive of their children. So it's a lot to manage if you can think about a family moving, let's say a family is moving to come work at Amazon or something like that. And whomever is taking that job, the part that's taken care of is the job, not the rest of the family. And when the rest of the family is kind of hanging out there in the wind, it's super stressful. So I try to be a little bit like a project manager for that and just sort of guide people toward anything from realtors to schools uh, so that they, I can be their person on the ground here and they don't feel so alone and worried. And it's super rewarding because what I found is that once they get here, they feel relieved and they don't have these stresses and then these stresses don't transfer to their children, which is usually the part that I'm trying to mitigate. I just want the child not to suffer through so much stress around decisions that a family is making. So yeah, so that's what's that been happening. Is so cool. Oh my God, what I would have given to have that when we moved here to yeah. Amsterdam. I, I had you on the other end of my of my uh, of the phone and of Skype um, to to talk me through it. But that is very cool services you're offering and I think well, perfectly you. suited for you. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, and that is a nice segue for what we were going to talk about today. And there are so many things we could talk about, but for this conversation, we wanted to talk about schooling and specifically how parents can best navigate, you know, figuring out where their children can thrive when it comes to school. And this is obviously something you and I have talked a lot about. And just for listeners to be aware that Allison has been advising me in my homeschooling journey with Asher and has helped me develop the curriculum and has also kind of been there through our many challenges in finding a school fit. And I I wanted to just bring up to start our conversation that I think one of our first conversations around schooling was back when Asher was in preschool. Yeah. And it was, you know, at that time where, you know, a lot of parents with differently wired kids, that's when, you know, when their child's like three, four, five is when they're really starting to realize hmm. something is showing up here that doesn't look familiar to other people. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And so I, was starting to get notes home from uh, from the, the director of the preschool or, you know, I'd get notes from the, or calls or, you or know, things were going or on. Or handwritten from Asher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Complaining about his lunch. But I do remember starting to feel very stressed because I didn't have any rule book for what mm-hmm. to do. And I was concerned, you know, I, I remember you came over one night, and I was like, can they kick him out? Like, I didn't know what yeah. this was going to look like. Yeah, I didn't know how I should be addressing it, what I should expect the school to do. And so I wonder if we could just start there. Um, you sure. Because you have been an administrator in several schools. Um, That's right. What does that look like from the school's perspective, you know, when they start to notice something's going on? Like, So there are a couple of things that happen. Um, the first thing, I mean, when you're dealing with preschool and preschool parents, these are often, from the administrator and teacher's perspective, often what you're dealing with is parents who have never had children before. I mean, yes, sometimes you're getting the, the parent's third child or their fourth child, But regardless, you're dealing with young families and people who don't have experience being parents. And as we know, there's not a lot of training out there in general just for parents raising typical children, um, let alone somebody who's differently wired. So I think that what starts to happen is the administration starts to see that the child is suffering on some level and that their program isn't able to to serve the child. And that's the language that a person is going to hear, that a parent is going to hear. The language they're going to hear is, you know, we're not sure we are able to serve your child. And really that's a euphemistic way of saying, we don't think you should be here. I mean, I'm just going to tell you, mm-hmm. let you know that right now. I mean, that, that is a euphemistic way of saying this isn't going to work out. And you might want to start getting your little ducks in a row to figure out what's going to happen next. Now, that said, you have to remember that if you're at, if you're in a little private school and you know and they have a culture of community there that they're trying to nourish, there are a bunch of other children there as well, and it can be really hard to remember that when you, your own child, you know, when your own child is suffering and you want your child to be included and you want your child to have a good experience, the responsibility of the administration is to make sure that every child in that program is experiencing something positive. Um, So it's a really strange balance that has to be built 
by the teachers and the administration. And when you have a child um, who is, like a lot of times what will happen is there will be a child who has really intense gifts. So they have some things that they do that are wildly beautiful, amazing, you know, you just, your eyes start sparkling when you see this child learning and thinking and speaking and contributing in certain ways in class, coupled with things that are really challenging for either other students to attend to and understand or for the child themselves to understand I'm behaving in this way and nobody seems to want to be around me or the teacher doesn't know what to do because it's a new situation for the teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when things get really tricky because you're managing 14 or 15 kids. And if let's say two of your kids are differently wired, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of managing. And, and then you have all the other parents saying, why are those two children getting so much attention? We pay, we're paying to be here as well. Right. It's really tricky for, for administrators. And, and so there's a discovery process. And you know what? It can't really be rushed. It's really hard when you, I don't know if you remember Deb, but like when you, when he was little, it's like, wait, he's fine in these situations, but in those situations, you know, you were still learning what his triggers were. You were still learning, you know, Asher's super social. So kids were really drawn to him. So he didn't have sort of these typical antisocial behaviors of a child who you would say, this child shouldn't be in school, right? He wasn't hurting people. He wasn't physically hurting people, but he required a lot of extra attention um, for other (laughs) reasons. Um, and, And those other reasons are always that the child's needs are not being met. Mm-hmm. And when a child's mm-hmm. needs are not being met, they will react. They will hunt around and search and fight to get what they need, not to be punishing, but because they're upset, they're sad, they're feeling lonely, they're feeling isolated, or they're feeling misunderstood, or or that they're being punished. They misunderstand things and feel that they're being punished. And when they're really little they don't understand wh- why. And so it's our job as administrators, it's our job to guide the parent. And then it's really hard for the parents of children this age to hear what they're hearing. Really, really hard. Can I, can I, can I rem- recall another situation, which was, which I think is really telling. So, so you're, you're this very self-aware, you know, mindful parent and you were working really hard. You and Darren were both working really hard trying to figure out what's best for Asher, what to do. And he had been in a couple of different situations and you and I were going to get together and talk and we were going to have a conversation where I was going to say, I think it's time for Asher, for Asher to be homeschooled. And I, we had it all set up. You were going to come over to my house and I was like, okay, today is the day. We were today. having tea. I remember the day. <laughs> I had this folder of information ready for you. I was like, this is the day. Like she's going to get it. She gets it. And because, I mean, there's, there are few people as self-aware as you, but when you have a child 
who you love to distraction, it's really hard to see everything that's going on around you. Mm-hmm. And and when society is telling you, no, this is the path that every child is supposed to take, it's really hard to hop off that path. So you came over, I was ready to say, okay, you know, here are some great ways, here are some leads, here's a nice homeschooling community you can become a part of. <laughs> and that was when you were like, do you think that we could move him over to Giddens, which is where I was the assistant <laughs> at of school. And I was like, okay, she's not quite there yet. <laughs> okay, this is not going to happen yet. And to be honest, I felt like Asher would be a wonderful addition at any school. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have a a problem with us looking at that. But just to show you like somebody looking from the outside in, I thought you got it. Yeah. And that was years later. I mean, yeah, preschool was, was rough. And then we started at a private school, which didn't work out so well. And it was, it was after a year and a half of that, where the, the, the T intervention (laughs) happened. Um, But so it had been a couple years, but I, I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to consider that. I still was thinking, I mean, we didn't know exactly what was going on and I still wanted to fit. Yeah. I still wanted to fit. I wanted the easy solution. I wanted, um, I wasn't really ready to do that. Well, much you weren't work. ready to do that much work. And also you didn't have anybody in your immediate community who had taken this other path. And so mm-hmm. it can start to feel um, at least for me, I know because I have, a, you know, a child who's also, you know, moving through some things. Whenever your child is moving through something that other people's children don't seem to be moving through, it feels like you're failing, like mm-hmm. somehow, even though you look at your child and you're like, no, 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 this child isn't doing anything wrong. There are so many systems. There must be a school. There must be a way. There must be a place. Well, the reality is, is that institutional learning is just not always the right fit. And what we're learning more and more and more is that institutional learning is really not the right fit for quite a lot of people, Um, Mm -hmm. even children who aren't differently wired, even children who are, quote unquote, typical kids. Um, Mm -hmm. They have a lot of challenges relating to institutional learning. So, yeah, it's it's hard to expect that of a parent. It's, it's unusual for a parent to say, yeah, you know what? I was just thinking I would just pull my child out of the very typical, normal, you know, centuries old methods of pushing my child through school and do it myself. That's just really (laughs) unusual. I mean, to expect Mm -hmm. of any Mm -hmm. parent to deduce that on their own. We'll be right back after this quick break. So in our house these days, Darren and I have been working together to up-level our nutrition and healthy lifestyle habits. Maybe it's our age, our changing bodies, my shifting hormones, whatever the reason, I'm here for it. And that's why I'm loving Green Chef, a meal company that makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Green Chef offers gut-friendly recipes each week and is committed to providing a holistic approach to nutrition by offering meals that contribute to the overall well-being of your entire body. Darren and I are particularly big fans of their nutrient-dense, science-backed gut and brain health recipes, developed in partnership with registered dietitians that improve digestion, reduce bloat, and also boost energy and immunity. This week's favorites, turkey, black bean, and sweet potato chili, and the Baja chicken bowls with mango salsa. I mean, don't those sound delicious? 
But if that's not your thing, you can choose from a variety of customized meals to suit your lifestyles with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. Whatever you choose, you'll get farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole fruits and veggies, and premium proteins, along with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes delivered straight to your door. Go to greenchef.com slash 60tilt and use code 60tilt to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. That's 60% off plus 20% off your next two months when you use the code 60tilt at greenchef.com slash 60tilt. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. This year, I've been working on becoming more attuned to my body, and so I'm starting to really recognize how periodic spikes in anxiety or disruptions to my routines can seriously throw my whole system off. And as I've been traveling a ton this past month, which is both disruptive and somewhat stressful, I'm especially glad that I have the extra support of Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement from Ritual with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Symbiotic Plus provides fuel to the cells that make up the gut lining to support a healthy gut barrier. And it comes in this very cool minty delayed release capsule, which was specifically designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract for delivery to the colon. The bonus is that the capsules don't need to be refrigerated, so I can easily bring them with me in my carry-on. On a personal level, I love that Ritual is committed to sustainability. They're a female-founded B Corp, meaning they are holding themselves accountable long-term to not only think about their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com tilt for 25% off. So when parents are kind of in this situation and they're, or, you know, maybe there are people listening mm-hmm. who are at that stage where they're starting to get feedback that this isn't a great mm-hmm. fit and maybe, you know, and, I, and I'm well aware that homeschooling isn't an option for a lot that's of right. people. And so I, I don't think that that's the magic answer for mm-hmm. everybody, but um, how can a parent kind of best navigate this road of trying to find the right fit for them? What should they be looking for? You know, I think, and maybe this will help guide your answer, but we didn't have a concrete diagnosis. Right. Right. Um, and so I always had that like, I'm, I'm thinking of speed, get on or get mm-hmm. off. Like, do I tell mm-hmm. them or not? Like, what do I reveal? That's right. Um, because you feel like you're, you're, you feel like people will say no to your child if they know the truth about your child. This is a common fear. Mm-hmm. The common fear is, well, I don't really want to apply to this private school and then ha- show all my cards about my kid because if I show all my cards about my kid, then that might just not even get us in the door and then we'll never know. Like they'll just decide, well, Mm -hmm. I can either take this child who has a series of things going on, or I can take this child who has absolutely nothing going on. What's going to be easier for my school? So what I told you at the time, and I don't know if you remember this, but this is what I still tell parents is a school that does not want your child as your child is, is not a school where you want your child going to school Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's not going to work out. You cannot hide the true nature of a human being. And so if a school, knowing what you know, does not want your child there, 
your child will not feel welcome there. I mean, energetically, it gets really weird really quick when, mm. um, uh, when a school realizes that not everything has been revealed to the school about a child because they can't attend to the kid properly. And, and schools mm-hmm. want to do that. Schools want to do a good job. There's not a school that I've, I've worked in, and I've worked in a ton of schools, where people are trying to avoid anything. They want to do a good job. So, like, as an example, I have worked in schools where the parents have not let the school know what's going on with their child. And then the child gets there and everybody's completely unprepared for how to make that child feel safe and have a sense of belonging and a sense of significance and to feel seen and heard. Those schools are growing. I mean, capacity for schools to handle more and more differently wired kids are only going to grow as more of us let people know that their children are differently wired. So for example, I'm, I, I have a client and their family has two differently wired kids. They're coming from out of the country and they really want to be upfront about what's going on. And for very good reasons, I had them look at a specific public school and that neighborhood in which that public school resides, because I know that that public school has amazing resources for that family. And so that family will be well taken care of and that child will be supported and there won't be any secrets. Because I mean, remember the feeling Mm -hmm. of having a secret and the secret is your child who you love and who's just learning how to navigate the world that isn't set up for them. I believe it will be. I believe it's getting closer and closer as more and more of us speak up and let people know that there are all these benefits and amazing, like that amazing learning gets on, gets going when everybody is at the table, basically. But a school like Giddens is, you know, an unusual place. It's a place that really does believe that. and is is willing to commit to that. And I think people are getting better and better at that. But the way, what I would ask a family to do, getting back to your question, just getting back to the original, like, how would you tell a family to navigate this? I would say, definitely make sure that you remember that you want to keep your eye on the ball. And keeping your eye on the ball remains to be this simple fact. If your child is accepted in the place, you know, wherever they end up, that's where your child will have the best opportunity to learn. And, and by learning, I mean learning about themselves, learning about how they learn, like all the meta stuff, you know, which is really the big learning that goes on in school. If a child does not feel accepted, if the family feels that they're not accepted and that the child isn't really accepted, it all spills down to the child. It just spills down and it doesn't work out and the kid ends up having to leave. And then there's all this time and energy spent on protecting the child from the school that's trying to serve them. Okay, now now that puts you in a really tricky spot, right? So the follow-up to that would be, well, so then what if my child doesn't get accepted anywhere? The answer to that is that there are schools that will also let you have other things happen, like 
let you bring a paraprofessional. I've worked in schools where there's you're allowed to have a paraprofessional come in for your child. I've also worked in schools where your child can be at school for half day instead of, I would say, the best thing to do is to ask a lot of questions for accommodations and to say, is there any way we can accommodate this so that my child can be a part of this process for part of the time? Or is that not something that you do? Mm-hmm. Some schools do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of schools do. A lot of schools will say, yeah, we'd be willing to give that a try. A lot of schools that are more willing than others to try these kinds of things are Catholic schools, which is what I'm finding more and more and more. Schools that are Catholic or religious schools tend to have more of an open mind around inclusion. (laughs) I know that sounds, that can sound like that wouldn't be true because for a lot of people, when you hear the Catholic church, you don't think about inclusion. But the reality is, is that at least in Seattle, a lot of Catholic schools are willing to say, you know what, this is a child and this is a person who needs to go to school. And what can we do to help make this happen? So much great information. I'm sitting here taking notes and also just replaying our own yeah. experience that we went through, you know, so many years ago. But, um, you know, I think one of the challenges is that a lot of parents don't even know that they can ask yeah. these questions. They're not aware that they can create something different. It's especially if private school isn't an option. That's for you. right. Um, and depending on where, you know, where you're living, one of the things I hear from so many parents as I was creating Tilt, I connected with a lot of parents of differently wired kids and access to and affordability of alternative schooling was the number one. Yeah, stressors. it's huge. And so it's interesting to hear that even within a public school system, it's possible to kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure it varies by mm-hmm. city and um, and, and also how accustomed to, to looking at things differently a school system is, mm-hmm. but just to empower parents to know that you don't have to just go down this one path and you can no, and, and, and that you questions. can ask questions and that you're actually allowed to be, that you're allowed to advocate for your child more than you probably realize. So specifically in public schools, for example, if your child, Um, has some special needs, but is not considered a special education child. Okay. So there are very like sort of like rigorous guidelines around special education when your child tests, you know, do they test basically if their IQ, their IQ has to be a certain level, a certain low level in order to test into special education. And what happens in a lot of cities is that all the special education students are put into one classroom. In a city like Seattle, That's also the case for some schools, but it's not the case for all schools. And in some instances, what you can do is you can require, you know, you can request accommodations for your child within the regular classroom. And so you would ask for what's called a SIT meeting, an S-I-T meeting. And basically what that does is it, it brings all of the teachers and administrators that would come into contact with your child together including the counselor and anyone you'd like to bring to the meeting, a person like me or a person like your occupational therapist or your speech therapist for your child or whomever, your counselor, to find out what accommodations can be made in the classroom. And in that meeting, a lot can be accomplished. A lot can be accomplished where you say, it's going to be really important that my child not be in a group 
you know, that is playing a highly competitive game, for example. Like you can just lay out all this stuff. Um, I I had a sit for my son, Aiden, because he really didn't do well with a lot of paperwork and papers and things like that. He had a what's called a 504, which is just the number of the kind of document that you get if you have some sort of physical diagnosis. And he had some attention stuff going on. So so the millions of papers that his teachers would hand to him, I was like, okay, that's kind of pointless to hand him those papers because they're going to end up in the bottom of his backpack. And not just because he has attention stuff, but because he happens to be a child who's 12, but whatever. So we had a sit meeting where we got rid of all that, where like he did everything digitally, where I said, he can't have papers. And they look at you like, okay, well, let's try to figure this out. And a lot of times teachers are totally, teachers want to help. I mean, they do. They're like, okay, well, let's see what we can do. I mean, most teachers care about the kids that they're teaching. So when I said these papers are, are a waste of time for you, for him, they also are huge stressors for him. They were like, okay, well, let's try to get rid of that. And they did. But if I hadn't known to say that, you know, I know a lot of families who are like, God, I wish I had had you at this meeting. And it's like, one thing that you can do is you can talk to an educator and find out what kinds of questions you should ask when you go into that meeting. Have a list, have a list and don't let them throw you off your list. Just say, I'm going to get through these questions. We need to get through these questions. If something isn't acceptable to you, you're allowed to say that's not going to work. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. 
There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent. And I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first time or second time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Yeah, homework is an issue for a lot of Homework is huge. Especially for elementary age kids. And that's something that we, when we were in school, I pretty much just was like, yeah, these things are not going to happen in our home. <laughs> yeah. And actually at the high school level, it, it's really problematic for kids at my, at the local high school here. There are five different student groups right now. I just learned this the other day, five different student led groups at the high school, helping kids at the high school deal with anxiety. Wow. Wow. Because they're trying to come at it from all different angles. And the administration is really worried. And one of the things the administration is most concerned about right now is homework and the amount of stress that it places on these high school students. Mm -hmm. I was kind of crazy about the homework thing. I was sort of like very strict about it when my kids were little. I just told their teachers that they wouldn't be doing homework. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was like, so you can just give them a check minus for the year in homework (laughs) because they're not going to do homework. And teachers looked at me like, okay, that's really, a couple of teachers were like, thank you. I really don't like giving out homework. A couple of teachers were like, that's, they were not thrilled about that. Mm -hmm, And then starting in like fourth grade, I would say, okay, homework is a little bit of homework is okay. But even though I didn't, I don't actually agree with that. And, And none of the research, no research backs up the fact that homework is helpful at all, except for moving into high school and it's really helpful for kids who love to do work. Right. Right. Interesting. So, um, well, I think that's great. I mean, and that's something I, I hope to bring on um, someone to talk specifically about IEPs and oh, you know, individualized yeah, education plans. And because I think that is hugely important is for parents to start to understand that they can have a voice in these conversations and, that they're allowed to ask questions, they're allowed to, you know, advocate and be that noisy. Parent. That would actually be an amazing resource for you to offer on your website. Um, would be the kinds of questions and things that parents can ask. Mm-hmm. Because what I come across again and again and again is, gosh, I just had no idea I could even ask that. Yeah. Absolutely. There's this feeling of like having everything put upon you like, nope, that's just the way that the system works. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned is that if you ask, a lot of times people will say, oh, okay, we'll try that. Well, I think there's also, we, you know, as parents, especially when you're kind of in the, the thick of it, you know, yeah. in those years where it's just really yeah. hard, you don't know what's going on either. And there's this trust factor. You want the school's to support you and help you figure out what your child needs. And so I think it's also realizing that maybe the school doesn't have all the answers, but as you said, you know, they're often really excited for you to partner with them and help them kind of figure out strategies. I know when Asher spent a year in public school in second grade with an IEP and he had a great teacher. It was, he was a young guy. Yeah. I I met with him frequently and he would ask me for insight and, I had our therapist, you know, Asher's therapist come in to meet with him once and he did what he could to, to make it work for Asher and to best support him. But I remember, you know, having to remind myself or, or, you know, kind of stop waiting for the school to fix things and that I was going to have to 
play a more active role in figuring out how to best support him in that situation. And it's so time consuming. And this is the other thing that's so hard for parents is the amount of time that you have to spend attending to getting your child's needs met is just higher. Mm -hmm. It it Mm -hmm. just is. Whether public or private, it really doesn't matter. Um, You're either going to be negotiating the problems that your child is causing at a private school. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that with all love and respect in the world. (laughs) Um, Or you're going to be negotiating how your own child's needs are not being met in some way, you know, at a public or a private school. And so you, you kind of have to settle into this idea that the role you thought you were going to have as a parent you know, packing the lunch and sending your kid off to school. I mean, at some point, and you learned this, I'm going to say it was second grade for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're dealing with a seven-year-old at this point. That's a lot of years of trying mm-hmm. to make stuff work and looking for his space and looking for his community and looking for him to land and hoping and hoping and praying and and doing all of the things and doing everything right as best you could and, you know, that's a lot. That's a, that's a tired parent at that point. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and to say, Tapped and out. to say like, it's okay for me to be super exhausted by this. One of the reasons I'm so tired is because it's not working and that's not a rejection of my child. It's, it's, it's about turning this on its head, which I worked with you a lot on this, but mm-hmm. it's this idea that you're saying, you know what? We don't choose to do this anymore. Because this isn't yeah. working for my child. Not this isn't working for my child, so I need, he can't be a part of it. But we're going to create something different because this, I, this is unacceptable. It's a, it's a mental paradigm. It's really. It's hard to get there. <laughs> and, and frankly, and frankly the, the money situation is completely, I, I have no idea what to say about that. It's mm-hmm. a huge problem. When are you supposed to be making these calls? When are you supposed to be going in to talk to the teacher? When are you supposed to be hiring the therapist to go talk to the teacher if you're a person who doesn't have that kind of access to time or money? I don't know. Yeah. It's completely backwards. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then those are, you know, the kids who don't have, you know, someone who's able to make all those meetings end up kind of getting more and more marginalized. It is. It's That's a huge right. problem. It's huge. a huge equity issue. It's a huge, huge equity issue. And, you know, your child does have a right to, you know, education and, and it's supposed to be, you know, equal and it's not. And so the more we talk about this and the more we raise the issue and the more we acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of people out there trying to make it better, both in public and private schools, there's not, there's really not a solution yet. I mean, my sister, her son goes to a special school. He has Asperger's and I mean, it costs $35,000 a year. Wow. And I mean, she can do that, but only 14 other people go to that school. And it's an amazing place. Why? Partially because it's run by somebody who has Asperger's, mm-hmm. who understands the whole process. But but without that school, she went through the same kinds of things you went through. She was just like, I have no idea where this kid can be. And he's delightful. Like, he's such an <laughs> awesome guy. I mean, he's hilarious. <laughs> he has the best sense of humor. 
He's kind to within an inch of his life. He also has triggers and things that make it so that he can't be in a typical institutional setting. It's just too much input. Well, I mean, I think what you just said is a big reason why I wanted to create Tilt in the first place is there's just so many, so many aspects of raising differently wired mm-hmm. kids that mm-hmm. they need to change. And education is a huge part of that. And so this conversation has been so inside, you know, we've talked about these things how many times over the years, and I'm still like gleaming benefit from it and, and learning. So I think this was just amazing. Thank you for sharing all of this. Hopefully parents listening to this who have kids who, you know, they're in that space where they're trying to figure out what this might look like, and they're starting to get the input that it's not going to look the way they expected. Um, I think you shared some really great insight about how they can be in choice in that situation. And also, you know, just reminding that our kids do deserve to be in a place where they feel good about themselves and, and get to learn the way that they best learn. Yeah, they do deserve it. And the parents deserve to be freed from, like, I wish I could just free parents from that cycle of, you know, of, of wanting their child to fit in, which is such a normal desire. I have it too. Because the more and more children I see, the more and more parents I see, the more and more I know that there are not that many typical kids. It's true. <laughs> it's absolutely I'm true. I'm just like, wow. You know, if everybody were to raise their hand, uh, yeah, I have a typical kid, it wouldn't be that, or there wouldn't be so many hands up. I mean, it's just, it's just getting, and so embracing that and learning, learning how to find community, I think is a really, really big deal. I don't know if you're going to do a, a, something about community, but I just think that's, I think that's huge. It's all in the plan, the master plan. I'm sure it is. I'm sure you have thought through this very thoroughly. (laughs) Well, um, I just want to say thank you so much again for doing this. I'm just thrilled that you were a part of the podcast. Hopefully we'll get to have you back again on the episode. And, uh, and for listeners who want to learn more about Allison, her website, I will have it in the show notes for this episode, but it is www.allisonbowerconsulting.com. And that's Allison with one L. And again, I will link to that in the show notes. But thank you again for coming on the show and have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Tilt Parenting Podcast. For more information on all of the podcast episodes, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast. To access the show notes for this episode with links and more details from our conversation, go to tiltparenting.com slash session two. Lastly, we are a brand new podcast with new episodes coming out every week featuring more parenting experts as well as special episodes featuring conversations between me and my 11-year-old son, Asher. If you liked this episode, I would be grateful if you would visit iTunes and leave a review and subscribe so we can grow and connect with more parents raising differently wired kids. Thanks again for tuning in and for more information on the Tilt Revolution and to sign up for our community, visit www.tiltparenting.com.
Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.